welcome to Allegedly Astrology. Each week we break down the astrology that happened during some of the biggest scandals and events in history. Thank you guys for listening. And if you want to support us even more, you can subscribe to our Patreon. For only $5 a month, you get at least two extra episodes. And you could also support us by leaving a five-star review and subscribing on whatever podcast platform you listen on. And if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and DM us a screenshot of that review, we'll make you a custom meme of your big three and send you a quick write-up about it. They're super fun. We also have cool Allegedly Astrology stuff on Public for all the signs, so go there and check it out. You know that you should follow us on social media. Dana is the queen of memes. We're Allegedly Astrology on Instagram, Reddit, Hey Hero, and TikTok, and Allegedly Astro on Twitter. And you can even visit our website, AllegedlyAstrology.com, to learn more about us, the show, book a reading with me, Dana, and check out charts and transcripts for select episodes. So let's get into today's topic, shall we? Dana, what are we covering? Today, we are very excited to talk about all the Don't Worry Darling drama, and this was a request from Morgan, who is a patron and therefore special. Therefore, we love her more than most. (laughs) If you want an episode covered, DM or email us and we just might do it. Everyone should be like Morgan, but... Let's get into the episode. From feuds to a divorce to romances between co-stars, the drama and controversy has truly been nonstop since Don't Worry Darling was announced in 2020. And things only got weirder when the entire cast was reunited in Venice for the Venice Film Festival. So let's learn about how this epic PR dumpster fire came to be. Yes, we love it. And buckle up because it's going to be a fucking wild ride. So a bit of background in case you somehow didn't know because you didn't read every single tabloid outlet like I did. Don't Worry Darling is Olivia Wilde's second directorial project after Booksmart. And a lot of people wanted to make this movie. In fact, 18 studios competed to buy it when she shopped it around crazy yeah she has she has a writing partner um i think her name's like katie silverman or something that writes all the movies probably for her but she says with her um and the movie is a psychological thriller set in the 1950s about a housewife in a seemingly perfect community that starts questioning her life as she starts to suspect that her husband's company isn't what it seems it's very um what's that movie with nicole kidman stepford wives it's like that was a remake too i think it sounds cool. It, like it does sound yeah, cool. I'm excited to see I it. I will be you, seeing it. I don't know if I'll see it in the movie theaters, but I will see it. Same. I might actually like it, and I'm prepared to even hate it, but I'm excited <laughs> to see it either way. I'm excited Not to see it. Not hate it. I would love to hate it, because it just looks like one of those movies that's so something. Anyway, we'll <laughs> update you when we all see it, but it stars Academy Award nominee Florence Pugh as Alice, Harry Styles as Alice's husband, Jack, Chris Pine as the leader of the community, and Olivia Wilde as a housewife. Which I initially did not realize that Olivia Wilde is also... Isn't she Chris Pine's wife in it? I'm not sure whose wife she is, but she's like a next door neighbor, I think, to where Alice lives. Um, So when the movie was initially announced, the cast was Florence, Chris Pine, and Shia LaBeouf. 
And unlike today, at the beginning, Florence was really open about how excited she was to work with Olivia, and she posted a screenshot on Instagram with the caption, Olivia Wilde just tagged me in a picture, gasp number one. Olivia Wilde casted me in a film, gasp number two. Olivia Wilde is my idol and allowed me to be a part of this fecking incredible cast. Shia, exclamation, uh, question mark, Chris, Exclamation, question mark, gasp, number three. So what was going on when Don't Worry Darling was first announced? Okay, the film was announced on April 24th, 2020, and this was two days after a new moon at three degrees Taurus and one day before Pluto stationed retrograde in Capricorn. So the new moon in Taurus is like a fresh start to feeling secure and taken care of. It's a kickoff to wedding season and like outdoor farmers markets, but... I mean, that's like in general, this year was a bit more layered for a few reasons. Um, the new moon was conjunct Uranus and Taurus, which generally just shakes shit up. And this was six weeks into quarantine. So every oh spring event was canceled and we were in like a global lockdown. So no one was leaving their home. So I say that because everything was exciting then. Right. Also, Uranus rules extremes and Taurus is a sign that represents comfort in the home. And so this was like an extreme manifestation of that symbolism. Anyway, also, this new moon was square Saturn, which had literally just entered Aquarius in March. And Saturn is the planet of restriction. So this sort of doubled down on binding us inside. So while I believe everyone was genuinely thrilled for this like specific movie, I also imagine that this was a time when people would have been excited for like anything yeah we were like um, excited for walks remember yeah. i was like let's yeah. walk let's yeah. take a walk yeah i was like <laughs> I get to go outside everyone in my neighborhood walking around with masks on but what's the most interesting to me about this is that it might be like a foreshadowing of the taurus and a scorpio eclipses which we are now in the thick of um because when the announcement dropped in april 2020 the north node was at zero degrees cancer and the south one was at zero degrees capricorn and both of these signs are excellent business people and good with like formalities um jupiter and pluto were co-present with the south node in capricorn and jupiter relates to goodwill and pluto is power capricorn is a sign of the elder so this can translate to uh like respect for elders you know like florence saying that she like idolized olivia um but the south node there also sort of reflects that maybe our elders do not always have our best interests at heart and with pluto stationing retrograde it can reflect elders olivia wilde being the elder like being on a power trip or feeling untouchable um so when we completed the entire cycle of eclipses uh of Gemini and Sagittarius on the axis from June 2020 to December 2021. So that was like the meat of making the movie. The next eclipse um, will be a solar eclipse at two degrees Scorpio on October 25th, exactly opposite that Taurus new moon, which coincided with the original announcement. And Taurus is like the flower and Scorpio is the seedy underbelly. And so Taurus is like the beauty of truth and art and Scorpio reveals like sinister secrets, which almost kind of sounds like it reflects the movie in itself. Um, but like eclipses are great beginnings and great endings and moments you just never see coming. So they're basically like the closest thing we get to time traveling. So future eclipses can be maybe maybe what we can learn from this is that future eclipses can be something to keep in mind when you're starting something on a new moon. And then maybe you can like look ahead and see when an eclipse falls in that sign, especially if it's close to that degree or opposite that sign and just see what's going on with your original endeavor. 
I mean, I do think that's interesting about the upcoming eclipse. Um, I also think just how bubbly Florence was in her Instagram is very reflective of like you have the Mercury in Aries, which is like, oh, my God, like, look, let me talk about like me and the things I want and the things I'm excited about. And also Venus and Gemini. Venus is like having the time of her life, like ready to go out, ready to talk to people. Like, I feel like it is like kind of exciting, but it's just like for sure. Venus also stationed retrograde a few like the next month in Gemini. So that would have retrograded back over that degree, which could have influenced all of the whole Taurus new moon and everything, which was conjunct Uranus, you know, so it's sort of like a, I don't know. It's not the best time to start a movie. Like, now we're hanging out, but is it as cool as I once thought it was going to be? Never meet your heroes. I know. I was thinking that, too. So, though Shia had originally been cast as Jack, a.k.a. Florence's on-screen husband, he left abruptly before filming started. And at the time, it was reported that it was because of scheduling conflicts. So, with Shia gone... Harry Styles gets cast for the role of Jack. And this was a big deal because this was his first true major acting role. Before this, he had pretty small parts in like Dunkirk and some Marvel cameos. And Olivia is very excited about Harry coming on. Oh my God, literally cannot contain herself. And after a month, after Harry's cast, Olivia separates from her longtime fiance, Jason Sudeikis, and rumors start swirling that she's now dating Harry. We're not going to get into it that much because we have a whole episode all about Jason and Olivia and Harry. It got us canceled at one point by Harry's stance. So it's legit and juicy. So you should go... From like Helsinki. <laughs> yes, like they were, they came hard and I'm never using a hashtag Harry Styles thing on any post ever again. So go listen to it. We'll leave it in the show notes. You could learn all about their astrology and all the messiness there. Yes. So social media starts going off about this new relationship and it's getting everyone talking about the movie. And on set, a source claimed that Olivia and Harry made their relationship super obvious. Um, everyone who worked on the film said they saw it coming during breaks. He wasn't able to stay away. He would visit her trailer. Like they were just like Ew. joined at the hip the whole time. What a grip. You know, and around this time, it's also reported that Florence is not happy with Harry and Olivia dicking around on set all the time because allegedly they would disappear together. They, you know, made it pretty obvious and annoying what they were doing because Olivia and Harry wouldn't be around when shots are getting set up. And like also as a director, you need to be there because that's like one of the things you oversee. And another source said that, you know, things were getting tense, like Florence and Olivia were having a lot of heated conversations about all this and Florence was getting pissed. Right. So let's flash back to Shia for a second. So a few months after shooting started, his ex, FKA Twigs, sued him for being emotionally and physically abusive. So this is a trigger warning um, for abuse. But she said she experienced relentless physical, mental and emotional abuse during their nine month relationship. Her lawsuit includes allegations that LaBeouf strangled her, knowingly gave her an STI, deprived her of sleep and isolated her from others which is terrifying. And this case is going to a jury trial in April 2023. So we might have to revisit that as an app. Yes. And in response to these allegations, Shia said, you know, like, I hurt that woman. He described himself as 
a pleasure-seeking, selfish, self-centered, dishonest, inconsiderate, fearful human being. He said he Sad. he had been abusive <laughs> to um, himself and everyone around him for years, and that he does have a history of hurting people close to him. He also says he's ashamed of himself and he's sorry to everyone he's hurt. And then he does go into a patient facility for treatment. So Shia was really like going through some shit around this time. So Dana, like what was going on with his transits? Okay. Shia LaBeouf was born on June 11th, 1986 at 1214 AM in Los Angeles. And so he's a Gemini sun, a Leo moon and an Aquarius rising. Um, so remember how Pluto stationed retrograde the day after they announced the film? Yes. Well, it was stationing retrograde conjunct Shia's natal Mars retrograde in Capricorn, which stationed retrograde two days before he was born. So this just increases its already strong influence in his chart. Pluto is the slowest moving outer planet and it cycles the zodiac every 248 years, which means no one alive will experience Pluto transiting every sign in one lifetime. Um, but Pluto relates to themes of transformation, power, jealousy, sex, and manipulation, among other intense topics, um, many of which Elise sort of listed in saying um, what Shia said. Um, and Pluto transits are like especially significant because they last longer than other transits and relate to such heavy themes. I think of Pluto transits like when you break a bone and then you go to the hospital and they're like, oh, we're going to have to re-break this. So you like have to like hurt twice in order to heal properly. And so like they're just no walk in the park. All this is to say Pluto transits are very significant. Um, this one's extra significant though, like extra, extra significant because Mars was Shia's time lord in his annual perfections. And Shia was in a 10th house Scorpio Mars year. The 10th house is career and reputation. Scorpio is secrets, pain, changes, and like ultimately endurance. Um, and Mars is the planet of war and survival. Two months later, when he turned 34, he entered an 11th house Sagittarius Jupiter year. The 11th house is audiences and networks. Sagittarius is truth, religion, escaping, and god complexes um and it's also sort of like healing so it could be like someone coming around from everything that they've done um or like coming to god coming to jesus and jupiter is the planet of goodwill integration and excess and so what's extremely wild is that in his solar return for 2020 jupiter and capricorn was conjunct his natal mars and mars and pisces was conjunct his natal jupiter and so regular listeners are probably aware of my like increasing fascination with these sort of dual activation transits and how especially significant it is when it falls on your birthday like i can't even say it's in your solar return chart which just outlines themes um for the whole year ahead and his time lord is one of the activated planets so mars rules his 10th house of career and reputation and his third house of immediate surroundings and like mindless habits which could include sort of like a addictive things or behavioral addiction and commutes uh, and his natal Mars in, is in his 12th house of hidden enemies, solitude and either mindful escapism or like addiction and subconscious coping mechanisms. And Jupiter rules his 11th house of audiences, his second house of income and his natal Jupiter is in that second house of income. Um, so this year he lost out on money, which I think makes sense, but it also represented a huge turning point in his habits and relationships with like substance, God and other people and himself ultimately. So with all of this, because I can't even look at this chart like this is a triwheel. It is like psychotic looking. <laughs> what do you think for him, Dana, in your opinion? Obviously, he had like a lot of Time Lord stuff going on. And if, for those of you who have listened to us for a while, you probably know. But just in case it's a refresher, your Time Lord is like the most important planet of your year that year. So whatever house it's um, corresponded with, it's going to activate. So when it moves or planets interact with it, it's 
it's going to affect you. So this is like a transit you're going to feel. But do you think like the Pluto retrograde on his Mars retrograde was what it was, which I think in a weird way, now that I'm talking about it, all of this stuff that we're going to get to later, kind of about like powers that be kind of like talking negatively about him and kind of like the structural powers of Hollywood kind of like making him look bad. Yeah. Um, is kind of interesting. But do you think it was like more important about his Time Lord being like lit up or well, that sort of shows like just that. how significant that was. And then also Mars being activated. Mars also stationed retrograde that fall conjunct his natal north node. So it, it sort of brought him closer to what where he was going. Right. Like, I mean, it sucked, but it sounds like he did some really shitty things. And so he needed to be uh, I mean, it, he's he's lucky to have corrected them because um, a lot of people don't get to. Uh, and well, we hope he's people. corrected it. We don't know for sure. It kind of sounds like he has. Yeah, we don't know for sure. I know he's done like, yeah, I think he's done like a lot of horrible things. But I think if you see him talk and especially when we go into like how he talks with Olivia, it does seem like he has more of a sense of a grasp on things, which could be because of all that Jupiter. So um, after all this shit with Shia happens, it's suddenly reported that the actual reason why he was no longer in Don't Worry Darling wasn't because of scheduling, but because he was fired by Olivia due to poor behavior. And this firing was attributed to Olivia's famous, and I don't know why I say famous, but she talked about it once or twice, and (laughs) it's called her zero asshole policy. And sources said that he was combative and he clashed with the cast and crew, and ultimately Olivia fired him because she wanted to protect Florence. And at this time, Olivia also posted a screenshot of an article about FKA Twigs suing Shia and expressed her support for what FKA Twigs was going through. And I couldn't figure out, like, if she and FKA Twigs, like, had some sort of friendship or connection before this happened or if it was, like, virtue signaling. Definitely feels like like the latter. Yeah. Yeah. But Dana, what was going on when these claims that Shia was fired came out? So the news came out on December 24th, 2020, and the moon was in Taurus, conjunct the sun of the original um, announcement for the movie. So that's important. It's sort of reactivating like news about that movie, and it's all a buzz. The moon is also with Uranus and Lilith. So Lilith is a, it's kind of like a node. Um, it's like it calculates a void uh, point of the moon. So it sort of corresponds with this dark feminine energy. And with Uranus, it's sort of like shocking secrets. And so those planets are also conjunct the you know sun and moon from when the original news dropped. December 14th, just 10 days earlier, there was a solar eclipse at 23 degrees Sagittarius, tightly opposite um, Shia's sun. So that would sort of light him up. Like it's this, it's this huge light opposing his sun. It's sort of like calling him to where he should be. And that eclipse also occurred in his perfected house. Also, um, Neptune was conjunct Olivia's sun. And oh my God. <laughs> Neptune is deception and lies. Deception and lies. Gotcha, right. bitch. <laughs> Neptune was also conjunct Florence's Saturn, which again is getting taken advantage of by her elders or maybe being deceived by authority. Oh my God. Yeah. That's crazy. I also think too, well, the Lilith conjunct Uranus one in Taurus I think is interesting and maybe this is a stretch because I know we are going to go possibly on a light Olivia bashing uh, situation but 
I think there's something too about like, you know, Taurus is like almost like the, obviously it's not the moon, but Taurus is like fertility and like to me in a way creation. And in this chart, I know it's a solar chart, but it's in the fifth house, which again is creation. And with Lilith there, I feel like it's like almost like the mother, like fucking with you or like bringing something bad your way. And the mother in this case would be Olivia. She's like the director that brought this movie to life. No, I love that. Yeah. Especially with like the moon there being the mother. Yeah. Because also too, like Lilith is like not one to fuck with. It's like you when you're like, you know what? Let's salt the earth. Let's fuck shit up. Like, (laughs) let us bring some people down. Yeah. So, um... Don't worry, darling, raps. And the cast does the typical, you know, like, we're going to promote this. We're going to post to Instagram to commemorate the occasion. But this is when things start to get juicy to anyone that stalks any Instagram <laughs> posts and loves also like a sub tweet or a sub Insta. So Olivia posts a photo of her hugging Florence and says to work with an actor as talented and brave as Florence Pugh is any director's dream. She also says, like, I will forever be grateful to you, Flo. It was an honor to be your captain. And Florence does not even acknowledge it at all. Which is so awkward. And then Olivia continues on the praise train, making a post for Harry's performance and says, not only did he relish the opportunity to allow for the brilliant Florence Pugh to hold center stage as our Alice, but he infused every scene with a nuanced sense of humanity. He didn't have to join our circus, but he jumped on board with humility and grace, and he blew us away every day with his talent, warmth, and ability to drive backwards. The ability to drive backwards? Is that like a literal thing? No, it's a literal thing in the movie. I saw it in the trailer. Oh. So it must have been, I don't know. Oh, my God. Well, everyone online, for the most part, was annoyed by this because a lot of people thought that, you know, Olivia was like really overdoing it in terms of the praise that she was giving Harry, especially because Florence was this Oscar nominated actor and Harry had no roles in this. So it's like, why are you praising him? Because like he's like a supporting actor in this. It's like, I don't know. It's pretty fucking obvious why he would be. He has no experience. Right. And I think this was supposed to be like a big Oscar opportunity for Florence Pugh. So she really needed sort of like a really good partner. She didn't need to like carry someone with her, which is sort of what I think it ended up being based on the early reviews that I've seen. But Florence also made a post about the film wrapping, but at this point, the vibes she was giving off towards Olivia and the film were drastically different than when she first posted to announce it. And her post praised a bunch of crew members for their roles in the movie, but didn't mention Olivia at all, which is so awk. Honestly, I love it. I want to know what her big three is because I'm obsessed with her and just the way she handles herself and just being like a stone cold bitch and how Mm -hmm. she communicates. Um, But this kicked off everyone really side eyeing Florence's Instagram activity, especially when it came to the movie. And people noticed that she was promoting Don't Worry Darling a lot less than she normally would compared to her other projects. And, you know, a big thing about going and being in movies is then promoting it. So you do a lot of press and Florence went in a magazine and Olivia like put the magazine up on her Instagram story and like congratulated Florence on this magazine. But again, um, Florence did not acknowledge it at all. Yeah. Which is pain. It's getting painful. It's you know? getting really painful. <laughs> yeah. It's also like 
like that like her persistence like just stop olivia you're being i know that is also really weird but everyone is just wondering what happened on set it's really clear florence doesn't like olivia sources start to come forward to say they fought a lot of times on set both personally and professionally throughout the shoot and that's why you can still feel the tension between them yeah so shit is awkward so dana Tell us, what is their bi wheel? I must know. Okay, so Florence was born on January 3rd, 1996 in Oxford, England, and Olivia was born on March 10th, 1984 in New York, and we don't know either of their times, so we don't have Boo. either of their risings. But Florence Man. is a Capricorn sun, and Olivia is a Pisces sun, and they both have Gemini moons. Oh, Ooh. battle of nice. the Geminis. Yeah, yeah, it's the best. Um, So they both also have <laughs> Venus in Aquarius, and they both have Jupiter in Capricorn. So I can definitely see why Florence idolized Olivia. The moons are emotion. So it's sort of like how you process and like being on a similar plane that way. Venus is love and art. So they have like a similar way to even like want to do art. And Jupiter is goodwill and benefactors. And the moon in Gemini is cerebral and thoughtful. Venus in Aquarius is like friendly, alluring and hard to pin down. So they both have this sort of like je ne sais quoi and um jupiter and capricorn just loves to toil and uphold tradition and like idolize people so or idolize their elders um so this is like they would have a, the same a similar work ethic right and it's just a good combination for working together but you know shit comes up and florence's saturn is tightly conjunct olivia's sun and olivia's mercury and pisces which pretty much changes everything here um saturn is the planet of discipline time and saturn puts us in our place and when we deserve it especially the sun is also how we see ourselves and how we want others to see us so florence's saturn on olivia's sun knocks her down a few pegs also olivia's mercury is uh debilitated in pisces so that means that although she can be like a really good artist right like this movie does sound good to me people with pisces and mercury might mm, mercury and pisces might not always tell the truth because they're so good at like conceptual thought and art also since they both have their moon and gemini a lot of the drama would have went down during the gemini and sagittarius eclipses so their moons were being constantly eclipsed over and over again so things were just changing between them as well as you know in their personal lives yeah Plus, I also think, like, when you look at Florence's chart, like, she also has a lot, like, she's a Capricorn stellium. Like, I bet she takes her work, like, very seriously. Like, she's not fucking around. She has her Mars there, too. So it's like, she's very controlled, like, which honestly makes a lot of sense about how she's talking about all of this. Like, she, I'm trying to find her Mercury, but like, One she is like, oh, yeah. Also well, Saturnian. That, yeah, but it's like she's very controlled. Like she's not going off on Olivia at all. Like she's very controlled with like how she presents herself. But yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like Olivia, no offense to her, she's probably like dicking around. Like especially with all that Pisces. No offense, Pisces, but it's like I feel like Pisces has a have a very like way about them that's just like let's look at this and let's not set up a shot. Let's go kiss in the rain. And Florence is like, yo, we got a fucking schedule to keep. Like let's go. And that's where the hate starts, you know? (laughs) Um, So uh, from there, the drama kept rolling in. They debuted the trailer for the movie at CinemaCon in Las Vegas. And let us not forget that while Olivia was on stage, she was served custody papers from Jason. So that was so awkward. She did take it, I will say, in stride. Like, she just looked at it and carried on. Like, I would have been like, what the fuck is this? Like, no dog. Very awkward. But we're not going to 
get too deep into that. But the trailer really divided fans and got social media into a tizzy because it featured a scene where Harry goes down on Florence on a kitchen table. And this is like where another part of the feud starts because Florence wasn't that into how the movie was being marketed. She felt like she was being reduced to just her sex scenes. And she's like, yo, I'm a respected actress. Like, I did not get into it for this shit. So can you not? Yeah, it's not smut. But Olivia did not feel the same way. Olivia is famously very pro-sex and she's very pro-sex scenes, which is why she has this that same scene in two different trailers for the film. And she said it's a priority that and that the scene is integral to the story. She wants women to come on screen more. And that's because no one really gets to see female pleasure. So she's like very pro-female pleasure well, on screen. to be honest, women come way less. So let's just... I don't know. I Spoken just Spoken like her. a Puritan, Dana. <laughs> I'm not a Puritan. I'm a realist. <laughs> so from the beginning of the project, Livia said she wanted to make sex scenes good again. So she even posted a photo of herself wearing a shirt that comes to haunt me every time <laughs> I think about it. But it says the future is female ejaculation. So, you know, she does seem very committed. No pressure, ladies. Just every time you fuck, you got to squirt. No pressure at all. <laughs> oh, it's way easier than not that. coming. We're now having to squirt because Olivia Wilde wants us to. <laughs> that's liberation that is liberation being chained by the wills of <laughs> olivia wilde so um from here on you know florence and olivia just kind of go back and forth each giving different interviews and different media outlets and making digs at each other not so subtly but that's not the only thing Florence is annoyed about. She is very much not happy with Olivia's relationship with Harry. So Florence is friends with Jason Sudeikis through Florence's former boyfriend, Zach Braff. Zach and Jason, besties. So Jason is Olivia's ex. So when Olivia started having a, like a blatant affair with Harry on set and Florence had to be like, front row to all of this it was super awkward because she was basically having an affair or cheating on her boyfriend's like best friends and she like like must have felt really shitty about witnessing all of that yeah and also it didn't help like because olivia and harry were so busy dicking around and olivia was distracted florence was said to have directed parts of the movie which again to me that's like very like all that capricorn like that's well someone crazy. has to yeah, finish that's this so, that's so, so crazy. crazy oh my god <laughs> oh, that's a very good point now i think it really did happen knowing that i feel like I, that's happen. something i would do i'd be like well we thing. have to fucking do it yeah we, it would get and it would be good but the word weird part about it is that then there's probably makes the movie worse because even though i would i'm sure i prefer florence i just feel like it it's two like different ideas you know like one director has like an idea that's cohesive whereas it's probably like makes it a little weird whatever yeah can't wait to review this <laughs> But the tension just keeps building and social media is going wild because they're still sensing a feud, especially because Florence is not going to any of the Don't Worry Darling promo events and she's still icing out Olivia on social media. A power move. Olivia does an interview with Variety and addresses the feud rumors. And she says that it's all clickbait and that the media is pitting her and Florence against each other, which this reminded me of Sarah Jessica Parker, which we covered in a Patreon episode where she said basically the same thing about Kim Cattrall's media. Um, So, you know, then Olivia went on and gushed about how amazingly talented Florence is. And it's also worth noting that 
Oh my God. Honestly, Variety are so cold. They said that Florence declined to speak to them as part of Olivia's profile, which again, awkward. I bet it was so great typing that, like as the (laughs) journalist being like, Florence declined to comment. (sighs) So Olivia also talked about the whole Shia situation again. So she still doubled down on the claims that she fired Shia because of his combative energy. She wanted to protect Florence, make sure she felt safe on set. And Olivia explained that she was asking Florence to be in vulnerable situations. She wanted her to feel supported. So what's going on with Shia and Olivia's bywheel? Okay, so I'm not going to lie. Their bywheel is kind of like it's a pretty good team, I would say. But it, then it kind of gives me a new way to look at astrology. So anyway, Olivia's south node is in Sagittarius and it's tightly conjunct Shia's 11th house midheaven. So the south node is the drain and can show what's being like removed from our lives. And it also may be harmful in the midheaven is career and reputation. So in the 11th house, it's speaking to his audience and it kind of shows like the action. Like so his actions, of course, tanked his reputation, but it shows how even sort of like he hasn't been in the news that much except for like becoming like an Opus Day monk or whatever. And like she's still trying to sort of like suck his reputation and like take it down, right? And other than their like really nice sinistry, like Wait, they, say the good sinistry. Okay. I'm intrigued. So they do have a lot of nice sinistry. Um it, so again, it's kind of like Florence and Olivia, where it's like things might have worked out at a different time under different like circumstances. I'm not just saying that. From June twenty twenty through December twenty twenty one. We had those eclipses in Gemini and Sagittarius, um, and both of them have major planets in these signs. Olivia's moon and north node are in Gemini, so this coincided with her nodal return and her Uranus and south node are in Sagittarius. So this can like be an astrological defense of sorts for her duplicitousness uh, in love. Maybe more on that later. Shia's sun, Chiron, and IC are in Gemini, and his Saturn, Uranus, and Midheaven are in Sagittarius. So for him, these eclipses were about uh, how the world sees him versus how he sees himself with that Saturn being disciplined and disciplining his son and like holding back his Midheaven or career, and that included discipline um, and demanded him to change, seek a higher truth. But yeah, so they have... So Olivia's moon is on Shia's sun. This sort of lends like an ability to work together in a way that like you seek it's emotional as well as like how you shine and creative. This is a very good creative combination, especially in Gemini, which loves to make shit. Also, Olivia's Venus is conjunct Shia's rising in Aquarius. And so Venus and someone's rising, that's that's usually like really good for a romance, but it's also just good for like creating, like especially since Olivia is the artist, that's Venus, right? And then Shia is sort of like her... Like, he's her, not muse, but, like, he's the one who she's directing. And so his rising gets to be, like, taken around by this, like, super creative Aquarius Venus, which trines their sun and moon sinistry. But once again, we have those eclipses, which are just, like, chopping shit up. Which is interesting because it's, like, sinistry can only take you so far, right? Like, if we're just looking at sinistry we would see like florence and olivia seem like a good team shia and olivia seem like a good team so it's really interesting how eclipses can just fuck shit up yes so shia reads that variety article where olivia said she fired him and he sees that and he's like um fuck no and he goes right back to variety with some receipts he said he quit the film due to lack of rehearsal time and then shared a ton of text messages that olivia allegedly sent him and one of the messages said 
Thanks for letting me in on your thought process. I know this isn't fun. It doesn't feel good to say no to someone, and I respect your honesty. I'm honored you are willing to go there with me, for me to tell a story with you. I'm gutted because it could have been something special. I want to make clear how much it means to me that you trust me. That's a gift I'll take with me. Pisces don't always have boundaries. (laughs) Oh my god, and like, obviously... I know that I literally was like reading that. I was like, that's a Pisces Mercury. But, you know, that doesn't sound like a text of someone that fired someone. But Shia was not done yet. He then broke the Internet by sharing a video that Olivia sent him asking him to stay on the project. In the video, Olivia is talking to the screen and says, I feel like I'm not ready to give up on this yet. And I, too, am heartbroken and I want to figure this out. You know, I think this might be a bit of a wake up call for Miss Flo. And I want to know if you're open to giving this a shot with me with us you know that when shia saw that video message from olivia he was looking at it on a phone with a caseify case customize your phone case with instagram and facebook photos or shop from our thousands of designs from designer collections caseify is loved by celebrities like hillary duff snoop dogg and lionel messi shoot it place it case it get 10 percent off your order when you sign up for caseify email and text at the link in our show notes so the misflow comment really got people's attention. Like that was so condescending. I can't even imagine how Florence must have felt when she saw that. And it really added to the feud rumors. But like it wasn't even like feud rumors at this point. This was sort of like validating what everyone was thinking. And this video made <laughs> Olivia look really bad because it was proof that she's literally lying to everyone about what went down with Shia. Yeah, I was confused. Like, did she just forget that, like, people have receipts and like you sent a video like just because you deleted a video off your phone doesn't mean like the video is gone for everyone. I don't know. I'm just like very confused. But besides the text and the video, Shia also shared an email he wrote to Olivia asking her to set the record straight about why he left the film. And his email ended with... Firing me never took place, Olivia. And while I fully understand the attractiveness of pushing that story because of the current social landscape, the social currency that brings, it is not the truth. So I am humbly asking, as a person with an eye towards making things right, that you correct the narrative as best you can. I hope none of this negatively affects you and that your film is successful in all the ways you want it to be. So, I mean, that was pretty nice for someone who's getting dicked around in the media. But, um, Dana, what was going on when all of this finally leaked? I gotta know. Okay, so... Hit me with it. So, the texts were leaked on August 26, 2022, and there was a new moon in Virgo in, like, the very wee hours of August 27th. Virgo is a sign of service and communication. And so, I mean, Shia is serving the higher truth. Virgo new moons inspire (laughs) fresh starts in health, and they can also bring a little, you know, critique... For some reason, I'm reminded of the song Picture by Sheryl Crow and Kid Rock, you know, like, I swear I changed my ways, that kind of thing, (laughs) but better. Um, um, But this new moon, you know, once again, every lunation has something here. And so this new moon was exactly square Mars and Gemini, which just is like Kanye going off on Twitter, telling everyone the truth, like, you know, burning every bridge. And so to intensify matters, Uranus stationed retrograde two days before in Taurus. And Uranus is the planet of shock and like blowing your cover. And in Taurus, it like just kind of can demolish like literal and figurative facades. Like it's often earthquakes. But this is sort of like breaking down her very prim and proper facade even further. And also the new moon, which was square Mars 
in Gemini both were ruled by Mercury, which was like getting ready to station retrograde. So it's all sort of like oh this God. loud mix of being like, oh, we're going to get our lip slapping. Yeah, like Mars in Gemini, like we are talking, we are texting, we are tweeting, but also again, like Mercury about to be retrograde in Libra, the signs of partnerships, like they were partners at one point. So yeah, you're going to like review that shit. Right. And then if we look at what's going on in Olivia's chart, the South Node was exactly conjunct her natal Saturn. So when I saw that, like even I feel like a few weeks before, like there was some sort of hints of drama. Like the South Node is literally at 16 degrees Scorpio and her Saturn is at 16 degrees Scorpio. So this is just, again, you know, I love to relate things to already existing art. This is when Gene Wilder goes, good day, sir. Good day, sir. (laughs) In Willy Wonka, because especially with Saturn in Scorpio and the South Node, like the South Node is like, we're not taking any more of this. And Saturn's like, all right, we have to be punished. And Scorpio relates to secrets. And so it's sort of like you have to like Scorpio, like is like secrets that like make you look bad or it's like really like revealing the truth like scorpios a lot of scorpios um you know my favorite scorpio scorpios i know i have some friends who are scorpios and all of them love to tell the truth (laughs) um but in in terms of though like just revealing like the the things that you'd really rather like not look at right and then neptune is also conjunct her natal mercury in pisces and also her son and so this is just sort of again and it's retrograde so it's going over her lies that she's already told and saturn is conjunct her natal venus in aquarius so this is again taking her down a few pegs it's also taking down her art a few pegs right like it's changing how the world sees her art because now probably more people are going to see this movie than they could have ever expected but it's all sort of in like this meme way instead of like as this great art right yeah Makes sense to me. Another thing I want to note about the Olivia video that came out is that some people, I think I saw it on Dumois, were saying that Harry didn't know the video existed and that that was not the narrative that he was told about Shia's departure. So he feels like it's kind of not only like, oh, my girlfriend lied to me. But it was sort of like this movie was supposed to be his huge acting debut. And it's Olivia made it seem like she really wanted him in it when it sort of is painted like, oh, she had to replace someone quickly and someone that brought a lot of star power, even if he didn't bring a lot of talent. And I think he feels like an idiot in a lot of ways, both personally and professionally. So we'll talk about Harry and Olivia towards the end of the episode one more thing too that we can keep in mind is that olivia is in a third house here and the third house relates to communication so this does sort of change or show you how a third house functions right because it's inevitably going to change how she communicates and also sees the world oh dang that would make sense but this brings us to the juiciest and most meme-worthy part of our story, which is the Venice Film Festival. And everyone expected the day to be pretty awkward, but nobody was prepared for the dumpster fire that we witnessed. <laughs> yes, because remember, this was Florence's only press obligation for the movie. So she was going to be there with Olivia, but people immediately noticed that she was not at the press conference for the movie in Venice, and Florence's rep said it was because of scheduling conflicts due to her role in the film Dune 2. But it's worth noting that Timothée Chalamet, who's her co-star in Dune 2, was there and able to do plenty of press for his own film, (laughs) Bones and All, and Florence was also seen drinking an Aperol spritz while the Don't Worry Darling press conference was still happening, so she was clearly in 
Venice at the time and just living her best life. That fucking purple Versace yeah. outfit was like so good. I'm obsessed I with want it. it. I want it so bad. We should all get it. Let's just all oh my get God. it. Can we? And then that'll be our promo photo. Yeah, with Recreating spritzes. that photo together yeah. all at once. <laughs> um, no, but I loved, I I mean, I really liked that photo of her. I thought she looked like amazing. But when I found out that she was supposed to be at a press conference, I was like, bitch, you are too much. So um, it's probably for the best that Florence missed the press conference because it was awkward as hell. Olivia was questioned about the feud between her and, and Florence and Olivia just ignored it and did what she normally does by just like, you know, talking up Florence and saying what a great actor she is. And then another reporter asked a question about Shia and the question was shut down by the moderator. And then it just resulted in like awkward silence. So it was a time. The weirdness didn't end there. On the red carpet, Harry and Olivia arrived separately. Then Florence, Olivia, and Harry never acted with each other on the red carpet at all. None of them took photos together, which is not a thing that happened. That's something I really want to know. Like, I get, like, Florence and Olivia, but I want to know what happened with Florence and Harry. Because it is super weird that they didn't take photos together. I also, like her and Olivia, I get. Right, but. and I get why Harry and Olivia didn't take pictures together because they didn't want this premiere to be about their relationship but about their film. But but Florence and Harry are co-stars, and it's just kind of weird that they didn't. But it also, like, he's probably in a weird situation, too, where he's like, he can't be palling around with Florence in front of Olivia if they're feuding I don't know it's just like so much tension all around yeah and it was obvious especially when Florence and the rest of the supporting cast like made it obvious that they all got along together and were like having a great time but the fun times ended when they had to take full cast photos and the poor other cast members had to just like act as buffers between <laughs> Olivia and Harry and Florence. So like they're all just like in the middle of them. And in one video, a member of the staff can be seen seemingly trying to get Harry moved. So he's standing next to Olivia for the group shot. But he like literally won't budge. Like he, he acts like his feet are like glued to the floor. And so there are no solo shots at all with Harry and Olivia or Harry and Florence. And that was the end of that. And even when they sat down, like Chris Pine had to sit between Harriet and Olivia. And, you know, this whole situation was just straight up out of control. So, Dana, what was happening while the Venice Film Fest was going on? So the film debuted on September 5th, 2022 at 7 p.m. in Venice, Italy. And this chart has a Virgo sun, a Capricorn moon and an Aquarius rising. And this big three (laughs) is dry, merciless and ice cold, but like really funny. (laughs) So Mercury in Libra was opposite Jupiter and Aries. And that's, you know, like talking all the shit, which makes me think that they maybe were talking just as much as everyone was online. Like any opposition is for sure a sense of tension. Like and Mercury in Libra is about relationships. Jupiter in Aquarius is sort of like pulling it to like focus on each individual. Um, Mercury in Libra loves gossip and being social, and this was notable and, like, a rare fun day on social media. So although it seemed like it really sucked over there in Venice, everyone was just sort of getting along on Twitter and memeing the gossip. It was fun. It was, it was fun. fun to watch. <laughs> it's very rare that Twitter's a fun day. Normally so it's rare. just, like, yeah, horrible just darkness. Yeah. <laughs> also, this opposition is in a tight T-square to that moon in Capricorn, which really shows no mercy, but also brings an element of dry humor to the table. The moon 
means also with Pluto in the 12th house and Pluto and the 12th house both relate to secrets and the moon focalizes that emotional energy in a chart. So maybe they felt like they were being put on blast, which they kind of were, right? Um, And then the sun and Venus and Virgo are in the eighth house and the sun is how, you know, the movie will perform in a way. And, and Venus relates to art in general. And in Virgo, Venus is debilitated because it's driven to perfection and can give, you know, more than it takes which this movie I think already is um, in the eighth house. There's like a lack of control uh, about for the reputation. Um, and so it's just kind of like being put in other people's hands and it's being ruled by this busybody Mercury and Libra, which is putting it on blast. So all of it's sort of like things that are out of their control, like the eighth and the uh, 12th house are where the luminaries are. And so it's sort of like what's out of your control and what's hiding in the shadows. Ooh, I'm also interested because I do like that. 8th house and 12th house thing. I wonder, it would be interesting at one point to compare movies that were like like cult classics later on because I could see, like, I haven't seen the movie, but I know a lot of people have been making fun of Harry Styles in it. And I wonder if, even if he did a bad job, like, you know, there's like so many movies that are just like so, even though they're not that good, they're like still good to watch. Yeah. And I could imagine this being one of them but okay so after the movie debuted Florence got the fuck out of there and cut the standing ovation short when she left after three minutes of applause so the ovation would probably have gone on longer but when she booked it it then prompted all the other casts to have to follow her which again stone cold stone cold and love that Capricorn Gemini mix and if oh you don't know about Deadly. standing ovations at film festivals, some critics see it very much as a hype tactic. I think Brendan Fraser got like a 12 minute standing ovation for his role in The Whale and like he was crying and everyone talked about like the length of that standing ovation. But the applause time generally reflects the chances of a movie becoming successful and comparing clapping times between movies is a way of gauging how good a film is or how well it will do during award season. So Florence just straight up walking out and cutting the applause short is just truly the ultimate fuck you. But it was not all just tension and side-eye because a true hero rose from the ashes of this shit show and that man's name is Chris Pine. And Chris Pine went viral in a number of clips that hit the internet during the press at the Film Fest. First was because he kind of was like debuting this new look. It was a sort of like very blonde Karen style kind of bob. His face also seemed tighter. It just like was a very un-Chris Pine vibe that he showed up with. Yes, and then he routinely zoned the <laughs> fuck out. So, like, one time when Harry Styles was, everyone knows this at, now what he oh said, but, you know, they're sitting the in these the chairs. Movie. Yeah. <laughs> They're sitting, like, talking to this reporter, and Harry is just, like, talking about how, like, the movie felt like a real movie, and it's a movie that you would go <laughs> see in the theaters, like a movie. And meanwhile, whoever, like, made the video was amazing, because they just, like, zoomed in on Chris's face, and he was just, like, staring into the abyss. And I think the tweet that went viral for it was, like, you could see the scream catch in his throat, and I just, like... Oh, my favorite was you could see his soul leaving his body. (laughs) (laughs) I like the one about dissociation. (laughs) All good. But maybe Chris Pine would have been a little more alert if he only had Ollie vitamins. (laughs) 
Ollie believes that the foundation of all happiness is good health. That's why they make it easy to understand which vitamins and supplements are best for you by naming them with the benefits that they provide, like sleep, happy, beauty, multi, love and libido, and more. Their delightful vitamins and supplements provide real deal benefits that help you live happy and inside out. Use the link in our show notes to get 15% off your first order of Ollie when you sign up for Ollie's email list. Ollie, little gummies, big benefits. Okay, so also Chris Pine had a moment when he put on his sunglasses as the lights dimmed and the movie started playing. So this prompted many social media users to say that he was actually just going to sleep (laughs) during the movie. And Chris Pine, like he came back in a big way. Like I was thinking about him because I listened to a podcast about how Audrina Partridge dated him for five seconds, but then he didn't want to be on the hills. So they had to basically like end their relationship because she needed to date someone that was going to be on that show because she filmed all the time. But anyway, he came back in a big way in our minds and our hearts at this premiere. So what was going on in his chart, Dana? So Chris Pine was born on August 26, 1980 at 8.25 a.m. in Los Angeles, and he has a Virgo sun and rising and a Pisces moon. Yeah. Oh, so this is a big season for him wow. as we are in Virgo season. And remember that new moon in Virgo square Gemini from when Shia sent that, you know, cringy video of Olivia to Variety. Well, that was Chris Pine's solar return. So when your solar return oh coincides God. with a new moon, you're getting a fresh start, maybe a fresh image. And that Mars squaring that new moon um, is really getting him noticed like never before. Also, his progressed Venus is exactly conjunct his natal sun and Mercury. And so this is really great for his image, too, like especially because his natal uh, Chiron is in Taurus. And so Taurus could have like to do with sort of like feeling sad about your image or Chiron and Taurus can since Chiron is the wounded healer. And so with Venus on his son, it's sort of like really I mean, we're talking about his hair. We're wondering if his face is tighter. <laughs> we're really just like giving him a bunch of attention and affection. Um, also his progressed moon is exactly conjunct his natal ascendant. So this is bringing him fully onto the world stage. The ascendant is like who you are and like your image and the moon in the progressed moon, which is the fastest moving planet in, you know, real time. And then as well in a, as in a progress chart. Whenever the progressed moon crosses a natal point, it's going to really highlight that for you. And so when it's highlighting his rising degree, it's highlighting his image. Um, and then Saturn is conjunct his natal south node in Aquarius. And this is interesting to me because it's the opposite of Olivia's transit. So I feel like Saturn is sort of giving him his due instead of taking him down a peg. It's sort of like he's, you know, everything he's worked on, especially in Aquarius. Now he's getting noticed by the collective, which is Aquarius. Also, Uranus conjunct his natal Chiron in Taurus, I feel like is like doing a real shock rehabilitation for him. Like he's like, oh, I had no idea that this would be when I got popular. Like I thought this was going to be a disgrace movie. And for some reason, it's turning out probably pretty well for him. I mean, if, honestly, you know, I love it is. During like, the film. He was in like Princess Diaries 2 and like a bunch of Marvel movies, I think. Like he hasn't really gotten a chance to do a lot of like cool indie thriller type of shit. So maybe this is going to open the door for him to do more of that. Yeah, new hairstyles and everything. Oh my god, I'm obsessed with how Virgo he is. He's like the most yeah. Virgo man to ever live. He has, besides like Keith Raniere. He has um uh he was born on a Mercury Kazemi in Virgo, so it's a dignified, exalted Mercury Kazemi. I mean, his oh, new damn. hairstyle is a little cult leader you have to admit. Oh yeah, good point. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> And then obviously we could not resist doing a chart for Spitgate, which if you didn't know, Spitgate is when a video of Harry Styles allegedly spitting on Chris Pine hit the internet. Yes. And 
I didn't honestly see that. I didn't get why what people were talking about. But in the video, Chris was sitting down clapping as Harry sits down next to him. And then as Harry goes to sit down, it looks like something falls out of his mouth onto Chris's lap, which I believe were just his sunglasses. But this prompts Chris to like stop clapping, look down at his lap, kind of smile to himself in a weird way. And then everyone starts tweeting that Chris Pine was spit on. So what was happening during this viral moment? So, of course, we know that the film debuted on September 5th and (laughs) the Spitgate tweet was sent at 9.15 p.m. um, Eastern time. And so we ran the chart for New York because the tweeter is a finance bro. So, you know, he's a New Yorker, (laughs) Um, at least a spiritual New Yorker, if not a real one. Um, And so, of course, the sun (laughs) is in Virgo, the moon is in Capricorn, and this chart has a Taurus rising, which very finance um and taurus rising is with the north node and uranus both in the first house so this is sort of like you know it's going to be a little bit of a trickster with that uranus and with the north node it's going to like really intensify things the nodes intensify events um in a way i I also sort of feel like this is earth signs being silly and petty uranus is trining the midheaven at 18 degrees capricorn exactly which is co-present with the moon and pluto and the moon is like focalizing that sort of dry capricorn power and then pluto is also just you know making it a little powerful little um louder than maybe it would be because you cannot see spit flying from his mouth really but when you slow it down it does look like something falls okay out. i didn't i, I did not sure. i think so. it's his sunglasses falling into his lap interesting that's what that's what someone said i don't know well taurus is etiquette and capricorn mm-hmm. is stoicism so these are two signs very unlikely to spit on you but uranus <laughs> is the planet of surprises and breakdowns and enlightenment and it's trining that ninth house midheaven which is really like a really good transit for going viral the ninth house is related to religion and philosophy as opposed to like concrete reality really it's more like concepts uh, it's also god so like no one really cared if it was real or not it was just sort of like seamlessly accepted as lore immediately i don't care it's great yeah, did Harry Styles spit on Chris Pine? Of course he did. <laughs> well, everyone besides Dana denies that any spitting mm-hmm. happened. Chris's rep was like, he was not spit on. And even Harry addressed on stage telling people that he went to Venice to spit on Chris Pine. But now he's back. That was a, just added to the it was sort of like the cherry on top of the shit show that Venice was. But after the film festival, it's very clear that the tension between Florence and Olivia is very real, was not made up. People were not just reading between the lines of Florence's Instagram. But a new and unexpected awkwardness between Harry and Olivia was also evident. So, Dana, tell us, what do you think? Do you think Harry and Olivia are still together? Did they break up? What's next for these two? I did their Davison chart as well as their composite chart. So a Davison chart takes the exact middle time and longitude and latitude for when two people are born. So it gives like Olivia was born in 1984. Harry was born in 1994. Their Davison chart is for February 19th, 1989. And then it's a midpoint in space. So whenever you pull it up on like a chart calculator, either astro.com, astroseek, a software, like it'll just do the midpoint in space. I also never give latitude and longitude, so that's a lot of information. So their Davison is Venus. Uh, Venus is at 20 degrees Aquarius. And then their composite chart, which is not a real chart in time. It's a symbolic chart. It just takes the midpoint of every planet they have and gives that that planet. So even their Venus uh, in the composite chart is at 20 degrees. 
And on the day that the movie premiered, Saturn was at 20 degrees Aquarius. So this was Saturn oh. taking down their Venus. But it's retrograde oh, and it'll go back to that degree in January. So maybe they're maybe it's just like a really hard time for their relationship. Saturn and Venus is also a great combination for commitment. So this could be like them really suffering through a hard time, but then learning how to deal with it. Um and then like maybe even committing harder or it's like fully being like blowing up their relationship and then maybe they'll reconnect in January and then maybe we'll know about it. Maybe we won't. Maybe it'll be a more positive experience. Two other things that are very interesting is that Uranus is exactly conjunct their Davis and Mars in Taurus at 18 degrees on this day. <laughs> so Uranus on Mars is sort of like that's like their sex life, right? And Taurus shakes shit up like Taurus. Mm. Mars and Taurus is very sensual and it's sort of like very sex because like Mars is sex. Taurus doesn't want to fight. So it's probably making things really awkward for them since they don't want to fight. But they either have to confront like the truth um, or I saw a meme that was like, a couple like not talking to each other and like fixing dinner and it was really awkward and they're like harry and olivia tonight and i was like huh it wasn't the best <laughs> one i saw but it was certainly a meme and i enjoyed it also the south node is exactly conjunct their davis and pluto at 15 degrees scorpio on this day so the south node is taking down that sort of like power couple of their relationship like and it's also opposite that mars in taurus and it's just sort of like really highlighting any sort of jealousy that might be going on right and also it's sort of like an unconventional jealousy because harry might be jealous of florence or of shia right like it's not really about uh infidelity i don't know which is what i usually mm. assume jealousy is about but yeah what i'm really focusing on here is that saturn on their venus because saturn transits once you've had them you know how they are like it can really make you double down but when it's on your venus it's either like it's make it or break it time so do you think they're gonna make it ultimately or no uh i mean i like Harry's you don't think coming this, up on his Saturn you don't return. Think this is the break it time, but like necessarily is kind of what you were saying, but unclear I don't, whether they're I just, in it to win it. Yeah, well, I don't know that anyone's in it to win it with Olivia. And I wonder yeah, if Harry will find that point. out when Saturn, when his Saturn return hits, because his Saturn is at zero degrees of um, Pisces and he has like every other planet in Aquarius. So he got hit really hard with oh, all this Saturn shit. stuff. Like it was a big make it or break it time for him. I feel like he really experienced sort of like, I mean, it's not like he, you know, was a deer in headlights. He really said a lot of wild shit. <laughs> <laughs> but still, um, he was idolized and then torn down. Right. So that's hard for him. And then once his Saturn return comes around, he might be like, oh, I don't want to be in this relationship because like he realizes that, you know, maybe. Yeah. yeah he'll grow up. I mean, it's kind of sucks for him. I I just like because if he didn't like he is going on such like a hugely successful tour right now. Rolling Stones calls him the king of pop. Like he's kind of like killing it. He's at like the peak of his music career and i feel yeah. like this kind of is just deterring from all of that and then making him seem a little bit less successful even though he's just like a hugely successful artist yeah and probably will be a successful me, actor someday just not now i mean like to me i'm just like you're really good at this one thing like of course go explore other things but like not everyone could be good at everything right. and he also was in like another movie that also he was doing press for. I forgot what it was called, but he did not do well in that either. Oh, so it's like, maybe you're just not something. an actor. Yeah. Oh, the policeman. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what it was. 
Yeah, it's just so but weird like, that you chose you're to amazing. do this, right? Like, you're yeah. just, like, so good at what, what you do. Like, why are you... This seems like something he should do in, like, 10 years, not, like, now. I don't know. Yeah, like, take acting classes. Learn different accents. <laughs> Learn different accents. Well, he did do all of them in that one clip. Or just let him talk, oh just let him talk British, you know? <laughs> yeah. This is our New York Ugh. British man. Anyway. Harry Storms. Well, this remains to be seen. We'll keep an eye on Harry's Saturn return. I think we're all pretty anxious to see how that shakes out. And can't wait to see this movie, honestly. It's going to be entertaining no matter how good or bad it is. Watch but um, I want to see it. But next week, we'll be talking about Amy Winehouse with a very special guest. You will not want to miss it. But in the meantime, go sign up for our Patreon for exclusive content. And remember to support us by clicking the links in the episode show notes. I'm Elise. I'm Dana. And I'm Sarah. And this is Allegedly Astrology. Can't believe Harry's not 30 yet. Crazy. He's so young. Yeah, he is. (laughs) 